Thanks for downloading this podcast from The Rock of York. We hope it inspires you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Rock of York, or search for The Rock of York on Facebook. And of course, there's the website at www.rockofyork.co.uk. But you probably already knew that. Here's something you might not know. I came back from um, holiday with the most horrendous ear infection and uh, it's not yet gone, so half of my head is numb. And that's horrible. Have you ever tried singing when... <laughs> I haven't a clue what's been coming out of my mouth tonight. I mean, heck, just being one big noise. Um, I was thinking, uh, you know, I was preparing to speak tonight. I could have found all the scriptures that talked about hearing you, you deaf... Because there's a lot of scriptures where God's, through Jesus, speaking to deaf people. And I thought, oh, I could preach about that because I'm so deaf that, uh, you know, that might be a good idea to speak on. Um, it's always difficult. And I'm, I'm very um, proud of Anthony. I want to just uh, honour him. You know, he's done this for a very long time and he gets up more regularly than the rest of us. And uh, he always has something wonderful to say. But I want to just say that that's not uh, by accident. That's a very wonderful gift. And I know we appreciate that, don't we? Yeah. Because when I was thinking about what to say, you know, I've, I've, gone through, I've had a pretty difficult week because some of the things that have come up have been personal to me. And I've had to deal with things that were quite hurtful to me and yet keep a very... Um, non-biased attitude about it and try and find the truth within it all that would bring life as opposed to just, oh, well, you know, we'll just not bother about that or what have you. It, it, it's a difficult one. And, and I really felt that um, tonight I was to, to bring some of my feelings about some of the things that's happened this week. So if you don't like it, then I'm sorry. But this is a bit personal to me. Um, life is hard. That's a horror. That's a very, very negative way to start. But I'm going to. Life is hard. And uh, there's a wonderful book that I, I've read a few times. It's now a loose leaf copy because all the pages are hanging out. And uh, it's by Scott Peck, and it's called "The Road Less Travelled." And his first three words are, "Life is." hard and uh, I think it's probably the best start of a chapter ever because it puts us where we need to be to understand life is hard now why is life hard because you know it's full of people <laughs> and uh, we all like to think oh no isn't it lovely because you know you hear Satchmo singing what a wonderful world and, you know, I see trees of green and all this. And I say to myself, what a wonderful world. But then I reckon he goes around the corner and then suddenly hits up with a situation where the world is not so beautiful. Because something's happened that has challenged what his view of a beautiful world is. Now, have you any idea that everyone who is sat in here tonight whether you like it or not, 
have a very different worldview. Now, do you understand what I mean by a worldview? I'm going to end up with a... Do you remember that time when I spoke in a tissue kept... It's happening again. Look, he's just done it. Right. It's going down there. I'm not going to have a wandering tissue. <laughs> do you know what I mean when I talk about a worldview? Some of you do. Some of you might think you do, but let me just very quickly tell you. From the moment that we were born and we were raised by our wonderful or not so wonderful or whatever parents, we decided what sort of a place the world was. Some people found it very nice, very comfortable, very safe. Others found it not so safe. Some people found it very threatening. And of course, we then start to train ourselves how to make this situation that we are in much more livable. So we see who are the ones that we feel are our friends. We gravitate to them. We see who are the ones that we feel threatened by. And we find a way of holding our own in that situation. Now, what do I mean by holding our own? It means if we feel that we need that person's approval to survive, we will be very compliant. If we feel that we need to be a bit more assertive to get their approval, we'll be a bit more bolshy and... <laughs> Anything to make the situation that we're in more... more um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, peaceable. So we all have a worldview. Now, I said to Anthony this week, I said I ought to stand up there on uh, Saturday night and just tell everybody that I'm an absolute raving lunatic. <laughs> and uh, there's no hope for me because certain things that I was brought up with, I have now realized after I am 58 in uh, August. So it's not that I'm a little whippersnapper who, you know, is just making stuff up. I've lived quite a while now. I've got two kids, I've got a 33-year-old, I've got a 22-year-old, I've got a grandson that's coming up four next week, uh, I've been married 40 years in September, so come on, I am not somebody who hasn't had some learning or understanding of life, yeah? What? I think I've learned a, a, a bit, but what I realise is that there are some things that we believe that are correct and we would almost die to prove our point when actually it's not right at all and that's been very hard for me and it's hard more so in the context that I'm a leader of this place and I realize that I am getting up here and I'm talking and I'm giving you uh, information about my life and I think heck I've got to be honest about this some things that I've felt 15 years ago I don't feel now does that make me a, a liar? Does that make me untrustworthy? No, what it does, it means that we're learning and we're willing to actually be very honest about the, the journey that we've come. But I come back to say, life is hard. Oh, you all are with me tonight. Have a little nap. I'll just talk to myself and you have a nap. But you see... 
depending on some of the issues uh, that we've gone through, it makes our worldview, um, I call it a Richter scale. You know when you, know when you, you, you put electric, uh, electrodes on a thing and it goes, and it ends up in the red? You know, some people have that view of life and everything that they do, every situation that they're in, literally hits red. Because all of the time, they are feeling so afraid. And that's very, very sad. And um, we have to, you know, Jenny was great when she started at the beginning. When we learn to understand other people's worldviews, it actually makes us or gives us a, a compassion. And um, whether we like it or not, there is something called anxiety that most of us have either a lot of or little of, but we all suffer from it in some ways. And we all know when that's been triggered because we all start to be a bit weird. You ever notice when we get anxious? <laughs> we all be a bit weird, we get a bit defensive and we don't know what's going on, but we know we're being defensive. And then we try to either protect ourselves by exposing somebody else. But really it's because we're in a position that we don't feel very comfortable. Now, it was interesting this week that, uh, and I, I'm just, again, I'm just trying to be honest, shoot me down if you want. Shoot me down, but I'll get up. I am titanium. That was good. This week, because of this ear infection, um, I was moaning, I was in the kitchen, and I was going, oh, oh, and it's like a knitting needle going through my ear. Now, I'm not looking for sympathy, I promise, I'm just telling you. This is a, I am, ex I am explaining an event. So I'm crying, I'm going, ow, 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 ow. And Anne says to me, he says, well, have you had your pills? He thinks that is an act of love. I see it as, you don't give a toss about how I feel. Take your pills because that'll shut you up. It'll heal the pain and then we can get back to normal. Now, come on. I'm going to ask some of you in here tonight, who's Anth and who's me? And if none of you put your hand up, I will be very upset because I know you'll all be telling porkers. Because you see, for me, I want Anth to not tell me to take pills. I want him to actually feel the pain that I'm having. And I want him to say, oh, babe, I'm really sorry. And I probably want him to take up the chores that I might have to do. And he might just send me to bed and do nothing or whatever. But that ain't going to happen. Because there's something called paracetamol. Woohoo! Take it, Chris, and you will be all right. See? He doesn't mean that, but it's what I. Do you get it? So, drink. Can you see how my worldview, you'll say, that's not a worldview. 
that's not something about Afghanistan or Iraq or the Syrian refugees. How is that your worldview? No, that is your worldview. Because what will happen is that feeling will then translate into everything else. Am I making sense? Because we can't cover everything. We're not going to get into a whole bunch of psychology. And in fact, let me just tell you, I've been very hurt because I love psychology. I think psychology is one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave to people to understand how the mind works and how we feel about things and stuff and how we're wired. And then I stood up here a few times and talked about our psychological issues and people said, we don't want to hear psychological mumbo-jumbo. And I'm thinking, oh, if it hadn't have been for psychology and helping me understand, I wouldn't be married to this man now. Oh, well, are we allowed to say that? Yes, because you see, after 40 years, we've come through some stuff that some things weren't working and then... You have to either say, deal breaker, or you say, let me try and understand what's causing this to us to work through. So you see, I think psycholo psychology is incredibly wonderful. I'm sad that the church as a whole has, has given it such a bad rap. It's almost like, let's have Jesus, let's become a Christian, and let's get spiritual. And then that means we don't need anything else. But you see, I believe that what God wants for us is to be whole. So what does that mean? If I'm sick, I have no issue going to the doctor and saying, come on, give me, your, give me your stuff. And then there's also my mind that sometimes plays tricks with me. And it does. And so I'm glad to understand about my mind. I'm also understanding that I have a spirit, that there is other issues beyond this realm, that sometimes if we're not careful, we decide that there's nothing beyond this. So we keep it to the psych psychological and physical. But there's actually something beyond this that I need to say, oh, do you know what? I need that. So is it, am I making sense? I don't even know where I am now. So anyway, Anthony was talking about expectations and I recognize that yes he's absolutely right we have to receive a seed within us that makes us expectant of something that we want to birth but I am sad to say that the majority of us operate more from unfulfilled expectations than we do from that wonderful positive seed that Anthony was talking about last week. Would you agree? So what happens? It's like what I said a few minutes ago. I've got a bad earache. I'm crying. My expectations is that this person here who loves me is going to tell me, oh, it's all right. Tap, 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 whatever. And he tells me to take some pills. So what does that do to me? What? I can't hear you. <laughs> but what I'm trying to get at is that if we are seeing that as an expectation and that expectation is not fulfilled, 
we then have... It, it, it's amazing. You have the trigger for really a lot of trouble. And, you know, I know that I'm not the only one who's in this situation. I'd like you all to be a bit more honest. But I might not get that, but that's okay. But isn't it true? We decide that this is what I need. And are you aware that we're all very needy? I don't know. <laughs> We're all very needy. Some of us say, oh no, I'm very self-sufficient. We're all very needy. And the reason why we find our partners most of the time is because they tick a box. Why is it that it says that women look for men that like their dads? <laughs> oh, come on, that's the truth. You can all say to me, oh, I didn't do that. We'll soon find out after 40 years. Anth was in the ministry. My dad was in the ministry. Who was I going to look for but somebody in the ministry? I'm only giving you that as a little pointer. But are you with me? We look for things to meet needs. And we're very needy as people. There is so much that we need. When I was doing my psychology degree, I did a very short course on what's called transactional analysis. I don't know whether you, you know about this. Anybody? Come on, help me. Anybody else done transactional anal analysis? Alison? No? Oh, I thought you'd have done it. No? Okay. Well, it's not that clever, but I was just going to bring it tonight. It's very, very interesting. Transactional analysis is about strokes. Strokes, not <laughs> strokes. It's about strokes. Shall I do that again? We'll have a go. <laughs> big, big catish, actually. So, uh, Amy, I like this. Because, you see, the idea is, if you're stroked, it makes you... <laughs> and all the time, all of you are operating in transactional analysis. So for instance, somebody's on the door and we get somebody walking and um, you don't know them very well uh, but they say, hi, it's lovely to see you. They shake your hand and they say, would you like to go for a cup of coffee it's over there in the resource area? You go and help yourself. That will count as a stroke. That's lovely for this week. But then that person maybe has seen you a few times and you've had a chat a few times and maybe, you know, they've been away on holiday and then they come back and they walk through the door and you haven't seen them for a few weeks and you just say, hi, hello, and you shake their hand, would you like a cup of coffee? And they go there and uh, they will immediately feel that you did not do enough. Why is that? Because they've been away and they expected you to notice that you'd been away and say, oh, I've missed you. It's great to see you. To which they'd say, oh, thank you. Where have you been? 
Oh, I've been to Brazil. Was it lovely? Did you really enjoy it? But if you didn't do that and you sent them for their coffee, the problem is we've got a deficit drink. Some of you are bored. But actually, this is, this is probably going to help you more in your life than anything I've ever said, right? So suddenly, one person feels they've not really done anything that they wouldn't normally do, but the other person feels that that person didn't do enough. Oh, why? Because of their world view. They needed more from that relationship to make them feel that they were seen and understood in order that they may continue to feel a sense of worth. And when that's not given, now you might say, oh, load of rubbish, people should just get over it. Let them get on with it. But actually, that's not, that's not how we are. Do you, get, do you get this? And all of us here are so complex and so complicated that this is when I want to scream and say, aren't you glad God gets that? Oh, because he does. Now, when people come to me and say, oh, this is going on here and what we're going to do about that, and I'll say, oh, yeah, but you know, this person needs this and needs that, so we'll just leave them alone because their worldview is this. Let's leave them alone. Are you getting it? And somebody says, yes, but if you do that, that actually doesn't stroke me. It makes me spit. And cats interesting that we use them for this sort of stuff. Likes them. But I think I've got one left now. We've only got one cat left. Don't know how long for, but uh, we've got one cat left. I haven't looked one bit at my notes yet, and I hope you're uh, I hope you're all right with this. But you see, if we understood that this is how we are, we'd realise that when we start feeling funny. Uh, isn't it weird? We, we have weird uh, phrases that we use. We just say, oh, I don't feel right about that. Something's not, feels off. And it's because actually somebody was expecting more from us than we gave. And we didn't think we owed them anything, but they felt we did. So guess what suddenly is in the air? A great big debt. Now, you see, I've had to look at my life and be very honest about it and realize that for many years I wanted from people what was totally impossible. Somehow, what had been put into me was a demand that people would be a certain way. And it took me probably till 44 years old and a massive life crash to actually allow myself to understand that's not possible. And the reason why I'm saying this is because 
if we understand that that's how complex and complicated we are, and then we realize that God gets us all, I find that really very encouraging. Because it's not saying that everyone has got to become the same in order to suddenly get God. It's actually saying you can all stay as you are because God will get you. Now, you know what I mean by get? It's that word in... Isn't it lovely when somebody gets you? It's a wonderful feeling. Oh, they get me. They get me. Oh, doesn't it make life sweet when somebody gets you? You're not having to explain yourself. Somebody gets you. How awesome. Now, I don't know where I am. Can I have a look? We can only fix what we understand. And we were told, actually, that there are certain things that happen in life. There's a scripture I haven't even put down the reference. But it basically says that we all are affected by this stuff. There is not one of you out there that doesn't experience this in some way. And this is what's called a, a temptation that's common to man. Do you get it? It's a temptation because we're all tempted in many ways to misunderstand somebody else's attitude towards us based on their worldview that somehow we didn't understand and because we didn't understand it, we do things that make them feel devalued. I thought I put that very well. So where am I? I remember um, a long time ago, uh, a lady who used to come to this church got a wonderful revelation and she said, you know, instead of us being upset by unfulfilled expectations, which often we are, we ought to be looking for, let me, I've written it down here, unexpected fulfillments um, because if we are only ever surprised by unexpected fulfillments, this is very clever, I thought she was dead good, um, then we're not going to have a problem because we're never going to be disappointed. The only problem was within weeks of that revelation, she'd actually left the church because we'd have, we didn't fulfill her expectations. Great, isn't it? And that is the truth. I'm not trying to be clever. So it was a brilliant thought, and I thought, yeah. Um, what is it? Let me write, because I can't even say that easily. Unexpected fulfillments. If we would look for unexpected fulfillment, I think that that's when we look at life and say, I don't expect anything. Now, all of you out there who are going to now say that Chris spoke against what Anne said last week, I am not, because we get this quite regularly, I'm not. I believe that it's very, very important to receive positive seeds within us and, and, and believe for them to, to, to be fulfilled. But you see, if we can't do that without when those things don't come to pass us getting really pissed off about it, we're better not having them in the first place. Seriously. Because it only ever causes trouble. So, what I would say 
you're better not having any, any expectations and actually living on the fact that when anybody does something who strokes you, it's a bonus. And go, oh, that was nice. But then you go back to not expecting anything. Because if you've got an expectation and then they don't fulfill it, what are you going to do? You're going to get really upset. You're going to believe that you've been devalued. And remember, our worldview always is about what we believe that, that makes it so that we are safe and we are valued. So we'll put things in place that says, if I believe this, it'll keep me safe. It'll stop that person taking advantage of me. Or Do you see what I mean? So it's about our value. Drink. I like the fact you laughed at that. She left the church. Yeah, it was good. I like it when you laugh. So you see, we expect everyone to respect our worldview. And you see, the truth is they don't. <laughs> they don't. Some people will listen to you talk about what you see about life and they will not get it at all. Why? Because it makes no sense to them whatsoever. And when Jenny said at the beginning she'd been helped understand somebody else's point of view, and when it came to, to her, it made no sense whatsoever. Why? Because it was polar opposites. We're talking about south-north divide in the sense that I do not think that way at all. Now, you'd think that surely when we became believers, when we became Christians, that somehow it would make us all the same. See, it doesn't. See, I love that, that, that we sang that song tonight that, you know, on, on, uh, on Christ alone my hope is found. Because at the end of the day, there is so much that each of us, we will, we will look at the whole understanding of the gospel, we'll understand the, the Bible or the stories of Jesus, and it'll go through the filter of our understanding. And when it comes through it, it will look a particular way. And it'll go through yours and it'll come out a particular way. And you'll put them next to each other and one will be sort of red and the other sort will be blue. And one will be square and the other will be triangular. And you'll think, how can it be so different? But it can. And that's why I'm so incredibly in awe of, I, I don't even want to call him God anymore because I think that limits. It's almost too limiting a word. But this, this being who made himself available to us as individuals, who would actually get on our page to say, do you know what? I'm not going to make you all the same. I'm not going to have some sort of homogenous, um, everybody has to believe all the same things and this, that, and the other. But I'm going to take you from where you are with your story, with your worldview. And do you know what? I'm going to just walk with you through it. And if he's happy with all our differences, then we should be happy with all our differences too. <gasps> but that's easier said than done, isn't it? So, I've always had a weird understanding of love. And I'm doing my best to get my head around it. Um, I was talking to Jenny yesterday 
you're gonna laugh at me, but that's fine. You, you know, I'll be, I'll be your, your, your uh, objective laughter. But when I was at school, I really had a trouble, um, a lot of trouble in maths, because one times nothing. I could not get my head round that. One times nothing to me was one, because you had one, you times it by nothing then you ended up with still the one that you had at the beginning. Now, all of you clever shanks out there, that's fine. You can say, that's rubbish. How did you ever get anywhere? You don't have to have maths to have children or anything like that. You're okay. Just have to push and scream. It's really okay. Um, and it, I had to literally take what Anth said. <laughs> Terrible, isn't it? He said to me, Chris! One times nothing is nothing. It will always be nothing. Remember that it's nothing. Now, I have never, ever understood why it's nothing to this day. And I'm not trying to be clever, but I accepted his word because if I believed what he said, I wouldn't get sums wrong anymore. It's the truth. And we're in a situation where there are some things that we are just going to have to take that somebody else tells us and say, thanks for telling me that. I don't get it, but I'm going to receive that. I'm going to apply that to my life because it's actually going to set me free. Now, a lot of us are too proud for that. We are. We don't like to be told things because we think, no, I've got it. One times nothing is one. It'll always be one. That's the end of that. But who was getting the sums wrong? I was, darling. You're right. So we have to be sometimes willing to submit to that which we don't understand. Now, we have a problem that we have. I, I talk to a lot of people. And if I had a pound for every time... Someone was to tell me that they were unhappy with where they were in their life at this time, that their expectations had been absolutely shattered. Well, you know, I'm 40 and, you know, I didn't expect to be divorced or I didn't expect to lose everything I had. I didn't expect my kids to leave me or I didn't expect this to happen. And you realise that what that's created is not just a sense of unfulfilled expectation, but it's actually created a discontentment. Now, you see, discontentment is actually very, very, very uh, dangerous because we believe that if things were to change, I would feel better. But guess what? It's actually something within you not to do with circumstances. But you see, often our, uh, our anxiety that we worry because our worldview isn't understood then takes us to a place where we feel devalued by people so then we become discontented and then we actually start to spiral into despair. Is this making sense? But let's get some positive stuff here. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 19... And I'm just going to read it to you. Therefore I tell you, 
Do not worry about your life. You're going to say, oh, it's all right you saying that. Jesus said this. Are we glad that Jesus said some good stuff like this? I like this. Because whereas over the last 15 years, my, my faith has been hacked like you wouldn't believe. Seriously, I, I, it doesn't resemble anything that I had when I was like 16 years old. But I'm glad about that. Because you see, I recognise that my faith wasn't faith as such. Because I had a confidence in certain things. And I had a certainty and a surety about certain things. Which now, when I think about that, it wasn't faith at all. Now, some of you haven't a clue what I'm talking about. You say, well, yeah, it must be. Because that's what faith does. It makes things certain. Actually, no. Faith is what you have when you can't make things make sense or certain or figure it out or make it work. That's faith. And I'm recognising now, hang on a minute, I'm coming up 58 years old and I have more faith now than I've ever had. Because I'm now unsure of more. I'm uncertain of more. And so I'm thinking, well, I'm trusting more. And I'm actually saying, do you know what? I don't know who you are really, God. I know you're there. I know you're bigger than I've ever been taught. I know that you've done more than I've ever been taught. I know all this is a bigger story than I've ever been given. But that's okay. I'm all right. Let me read this. And then, because we're nearly finished. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more important than food and the body import, more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? You say, well, I haven't seen that. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon, he was a king of the Old Testament, in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you? I like this much more. Should we call this much more? Yeah, maybe. Um, Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear. For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now you see, the problem in all of this is that Jesus is telling us something that one of our core problems that makes us grouchy human beings is that we worry and that we're anxious. And it's all because we feel that people haven't understood what we need or what we're going through. But actually just there, Jesus is saying, your heavenly father, your heavenly father knows so what really is the issue here? 
we have to stop and say, how much do I really trust my heavenly father? Do I really trust him? And you see, the next thing that we're taught in this, when we get to the, the next part of this uh, text, it says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you'll be judged. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a big plank in yours? Heck, we've all been there, haven't we? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck. Now you see, what Jesus is going on to say is, do you know what? If you've become anxious and worrying about things, the very next thing that will happen to you is you will begin to judge others. Can you see how it's in the text? Follows. So the moment that we've not trusted our Heavenly Father, the first thing that we will do is judge. And we will always find a way of finding somebody to blame for the situation that we're in. Isn't that true? So your worry and your anxiety will always take you to find someone to blame. Then we go on to say this, ask and it will be given you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, remember this is Jesus still talking, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, Know how to give good gifts to your children. Are you ready? We've got how much more? How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do unto others what you would have them do to you. So we've seen that when we're anxious and worrying, it leads us then to judgments. And why do we then get into judgments? Because that next bit proves a problem that is really deep-seated in our hearts is because we really haven't appreciated how loved we are. He says, these birds, they're doing nothing. Heavenly Father's looking after them. He's saying, if you ask of the Father, is he going to give you a stone when you ask for a fish? No. But how many of you think, well, if I ask God, he's not going to give me? It's because we've already decided that we're actually not loved as much as We've been told we are. So our anxiety, our worry, we thought we're going to judgments. And then, of course, we fall into the fact that we don't believe that we're loved. And we're precious and loved regardless of our worldview. We would think, no, we all have to believe the same. And I would like at the front of the church to actually put something like, When you walk through these doors, it doesn't matter what you believe. Now, heck, that's a big swing of the pendulum for me because a long time ago and in my upbringing, it was very much what you believed was important. But I actually believe that the very simplistic understanding, it's that I believe that I am loved so completely by God. Is it? There isn't a whole bunch of stuff that we have to add to it and this, that and the other. It's... Do you know that you're absolutely loved? So, we forget who we are. We worry because we don't trust the Father. We then fall into worry and anxiety 
we then start to judge others and find somebody to blame because we don't understand how loved we are. And so let me just give you a scripture to finish in order to get out of this spiral that we all, and some of you say, no, I don't. Yes, you do. That we all find ourselves in. All because we feel threatened by situations around us. And it's this, 2 Peter 1, verse 1, and it says this, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 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 He's good. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate. Whoa, that's a fantastic word. And most of us go participate, but it's participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. What's our evil desires? It's when we stop trusting the Father because we feel we've been misunderstood. Our anxiety causes us, cause us to find somebody to blame. We judge somebody and then it ends up, are you with me? There, well, that's what our evil desires do. And participating in the divine nature is this, and I just want to leave you with this thought. You are not separate from God. It's a wonderful thought that we are human. It is. We are human, but we are also divine because we have received the Spirit of God into us just as Jesus received us into him. So we're not just human, we're actually divine. So whether you like it or not, you are not just some little human being uh, going through this life as some ins insignificant blob. You're actually a participator in the divine nature. I think that's great. But anyway, so here's the, the last thought. Jesus, through his words, leads us out of an anxiety-driven, judgment-driven system into a faith-sustained, grace-based system that yields what we called aliveness. Now, let me just have one more minute just to say this. When you're caught in anxiety, whether you like it or not, and you can argue with me all you want, you get a death about you because it cripples us. Our brains get fried. We're trying to figure stuff out. We're trying to want to know how to fix this and who's to blame and what we're doing, this, that, and the other. We lose that life. But when we're willing actually to go the way of Christ that says, look, I'm going to trust Father. I'm going to believe that he cares for me. I'm not going to then judge others. And I'm going to believe that I'm totally loved. It keeps us alive. Now, I think that that's what we were talking about when, it, when eternal life 
I love that thing with um, Rowan Atkinson because when he talked about eternal and he said, you know, forever and all this. See, eternal doesn't mean endless. Don't care what you say, does not mean endless. It literally means a period of time. It's aeon. That's what it means. It's not endless. We've all got this idea, you know, heaven's endless this and hell's endless that. Actually, it's not endless anything. Whatever it is, it's not endless. All right, just accept that. But you see, what we have been brought into is a aliveness. I like that word. I can hack that because it's about now. Aliveness. And some of you are not living that because you're so anxious and so driven into judgments. So let's do what Anne said last week. Instead of letting our anxiety be triggered by unfulfilled expectations, let's allow ourselves to trust the Father, believe that we are unconditionally loved, and then believe that whatever is ahead... And some of you, you see, base our lives on social stuff. Well, you know, this shouldn't happen because that's not acceptable. And this, that, and the other. When actually we should be saying, do you know what? My dad cares for me. And whatever I go through, whatever's ahead, I know it's going to be okay. And that will keep you alive. Resurrection, aliveness. Yeah? So has that helped? I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry I went on. You can all go home now. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening. You might not be aware that The Rock is funded completely through donations from people like yourself. So if you feel like you're part of our community, it would be great if you could make a contribution by visiting our website at www.rockofyork.co.uk and just click on the donate button for more information. Thanks again. Thanks again.